As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. On today's episode of the Glue Guys Brooklyn Nets podcast, yeah. the original yeah. Brooklyn Nets podcast, the podcast that has been podcasting about the Brooklyn Nets since mm. the Nets traded for Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, we're going to discuss the debut. That's how we say debut now. <laughs> the, debut the debut of oh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving as Brooklyn Nets. To the glue guys, this is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. <laughs> Hi, we're the bad guys. I was going metal, you know, just channeling this like this dark, um, this Death Star energy that I'm feeling. By the way, got around to see the last Star Wars. We can get to that. First things first. <laughs> yeah, let's do our Rise of Skywalker <laughs> yeah. takes or whatever that movie. Those are still hot takes, right? Yeah. Um, the Nets are back, Brian. Wow. Wow. A home opener debut to the season. The first regular season game of the 2020-2021 season. Your Brooklyn Nets dominate the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry, the Golden State Warriors. Um, Brian, Google hanged out me. Though mm. I think uh, Google is making that extinct very soon. Uh, oh. He Google hanged out me uh, that we're going to win every game, friggin' game this year, and yeah, I couldn't be more right. We're gonna go. We're gonna win a million games, guys. Um, damn, Brian. Uh, you know we have we have a great show. We're gonna talk about how Kevin Durant looked and and Kyrie Irving, and um, you know if you want to read about those two players plus the entirety of the NBA, go to theathletic.com slash glue guys. But Brian. Holy smoky yeah. badokies. What do we talk about first? I mean, like, there's so many things. <laughs> Steve the- Nash is the greatest coach in the history of basketball. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Durant is the greatest uh, phoenix rising from the ashes in the history of basketball. Right. Kyrie Irving's the greatest point guard in the history of basketball. And Bruce Brown finally played some minutes for your Brooklyn Nets. Um, I got to tell you, I mean, 
Well, how how <laughs> how objective are we supposed like honestly supposed to be? Like, do we have to do the whole preface of like no. the Warriors? You know, without Draymond Green, are probably not a you know certainly not a playoff team. Maybe not a <laughs> good team at all. I don't know. Like, do we? Yeah, they, yeah. The Warriors looked bad. Like uh, yeah. Steph was Steph wasn't even good. No, not especially. Wiseman was frisky. Um, I, I gotta tell was, you, I saw the future with Wiseman. That's a that's a guy. That's a guy. He had a moment. Not to talk too much about the Warriors, but he had a moment where he actually dribble drove from the three point line and got right to the bucket. Didn't score, but got to the bucket, and that is an eye opening basketball play. Yeah. Um, yes, caveat, caveat, caveat. Of course, the Nets played the Warriors without Draymond Green, and of course, you know the Warriors aren't very good. They don't have Draymond Green or Clay Thompson, but you know, I, you and I. We watched two preseason games mm-hmm. of the Brooklyn Nets. We did. And I literally laid down cash after watching the first one, put $100 on Kevin Durant <laughs> to win MVP. Went right and to the bank. <laughs> I literally, I literally <laughs> ran to my bank, no mask. I spit in the bank teller's face and said, give me my, give me my $100 left for my bar mitzvah. <laughs> you went down to Santander. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... Um, and and I put down money on it because I I saw, uh, like you, that the Nets, that Kevin Durant was fully back and that the Nets were possibly a devastating offensive force. And I think that is what we can take away fully from this game. No matter how bad the Warriors may be without Draymond Green, damn boy, yeah. the Nets' offense is devastating. Yeah, so with that caveat out of the way, I mean, beating up on bad teams is part of being a really great team. And we... That was a a shellacking um, through and through, Mike. So where do you want to start? What's the what's the thing that jumps off the page hardest and most violently at you? Okay, so give me. So we saw two preseason games with Kevin Durant, um, and now this is the first re- regular season game, and there was a bit more of an adjusted tempo, a higher <laughs> tempo, a bit more intensity. Of course, he's going against his former team. Um. I almost don't want to say this because it feels wrong to. Oh. I don't know if I need to see anything else from Kevin Durant anymore. Just like just wait till the playoffs. Just put him just just keep him <laughs> on, ice. on ice. Yeah. No, I he if okay, here's the thing. If you're a listener of our show, if if you happen to hear a national commentator question whether Kevin Durant could could be fully back, that just means that that person hasn't watched Kevin Durant play basketball. In this regular season game and the first two preseason games because Durant is showing you every single thing you could possibly want to see from a guy who had an Achilles injury. Funny moment in the postgame show on TNT, uh, Charles Barkley was saying he's making the point that, you know, Kevin, a lot of people have made this, that Kevin Durant, the reason why the Achilles won't be a big deal for him is that his game is based on skill and shooting. And and Barkley said, he literally said, the guys who have trouble with the Achilles are big guys who run and use both legs. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, well, Steve, get, those one-legged basketball players are the guys that are really at an advantage with the I've, Achilles. Play. I've also noticed this thing that's floating around in the conversation around the um, Achilles injury for Kevin Durant is like, what percent back is he? This is, and they're starting, they've, <laughs> they've started at somewhere between 90 and 95. And it's been like, this is, it is such a weird way that we process these things. Like we're starting him back with a deficit 
And he's, it's like, it's such an interesting um, impulse that we collectively have is to start like a really weirdly trying to quantify something that's deeply unquantifiable and, uh, and yeah, it just isn't important really. But um, yeah. And, and it's, and it's not even that it's the haggling over, like a couple of percentage points where right. like someone will be like, if he's 95% right. back and then nobody will be like, well, if he's 97 is really what you want. Yeah. You're like, All right. What are <laughs> yeah. we, what are those 2% yeah. where they, where do they go to? How does right. that equate to production? How does it equate to energy? It and, doesn't mean anything. And here's the whole uh, takeaway that I've had from these, the first, and again, small sample size. And, and really you don't need a very big sample size to tell this. Uh, he just is getting to the basket with relative ease. Nothing looks like any different from what I've seen. Uh, it's fine. Everything's fine. It's going to be great. <laughs> like once you see that a couple times, like it's not diminished in any manner. So there it is. There you have it. So I, I you know, percentages aside, I feel confident, which is where you want to be, Mike. You want to feel confident. Well, and I was going to do this bit with you, and I'll do it now. Great. So love a bit. Who are you more concerned about with health wise, Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant? Because frankly. I'm like more concerned with Kyrie just because he has like a long history of continual injuries every season that knock him out 20 to 40 games. Yeah. We're like, yeah, Durant does have a, he had, he had a foot problem and obviously he had this Achilles issue, which is extremely major, bigger than anything Kyrie has had in his career. But I mean, so there's <laughs> moments in the game. I think every Nets fan feels this is when Kevin Durant falls to the floor. We all are aghast and we're all worried Though, like, actually him falling to the floor is not how he's going to re-injure an Achilles, right? I mean, you know, not to get all physiological yeah. on you. Don't don't flex your degree on this, Mike. <laughs> but, you know, so there's that level of concern. But frankly, I just, it, I'm, it, if we really look at the facts, Brian, okay? Mm-hmm. Who's that guy, the conservative guy who says he uses just facts, Ben Shapiro? It's ben Shapiro, yeah. Facts don't care about your feelings. Yeah, yeah. Um Durant tore his Achilles June of 2019, right? I think that's correct. And um, he is now playing basketball in December of 2020. That is more than enough time for him to be fully healed. And he looks like, I, you know, <laughs> that my other takeaway from this is that they don't need James Harden. Um not yeah. to be like super Nets. This feels like a super Nets bloggy type thing to say. Like, we don't need James Harden. I don't think they need James Harden. You know? Like, and and the, the, what's nice about way, the way the trade discussions are shaping up is like, it benefits the Nets to allow the team to kind of show who they are, which is a devastating offensive force. Yeah. And we don't need James Harden. There you go. You know who I think figured that out is true boy Steve Nash with the designation <laughs> of Karis LeVert coming off the bench versus uh, Spencer coming off the bench, which I was actually kind of surprised by. Uh, but now I see the wisdom in it. I see the vision because um, I think he correctly understands that integrating Karis LeVert seamlessly into an offense that includes that crew is an uphill battle. And his true calling in life is to be the um, microwave workhorse off the bench Um, because he doesn't, you know, that's, it is, it is both a frustrating time. Like when those at the end of those quarters where uh, you're, you got your second unit in and there's like, who's going to, who's going to take over here. Who's going to play some basketball for us. And Karis Levert's always the guy that wants to be doing that. He just always wants to be uh, hammering the ball home for better or worse. And I think that like, 
it, had I been put in charge of this, I probably would have said, Spencer Dinwiddie, we need a, you know, a point guard or at least a combo guard to, to run that second unit offense. And I would have been dead wrong, Mike. And I would have fired myself <laughs> and I would have, <laughs> I would have completely tanked my life to the point where I'm living under the BQE because that would have been so incorrect and I would have had to punish myself. And I see the wisdom in having Carrie Silver come off the bench. And, and that's not just, I mean, I'm, trying to parlay this all into a James Harden, larger James Harden conversation. But um, I guess what the big thing that stood out to me was the large concerns about there only being one ball and all these playmakers uh, and so on and so forth. And that all sounds like crazy nonsense talk. And <laughs> because based on what I've seen, it's like, um, it's so interesting just how naturally that the, like the, especially the Boston game and this game looked first game to a lesser extent, uh, but the the effect of just having Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant just playing, and there isn't a a like very rigid offense. There's you know we'll run some plays where Joe Harris is getting his number called, so on and so forth. But uh, it to me looks like there is a completely frictionless, natural, organic offense where people are just like kind of under like in a deep sense of understanding of where they need to be when and that's kind of like the transcendent place you you want to be when you're running an offense i mean i'm trying not to get too crazy this is just game one let's get like, crazy baby come on man this is like, it this, this is you, the fuck this kinda- is the fucking the the nets won 125 to 99 and that was the nets sitting everyone in the fourth quarter yeah they had almost a 40 point lead by the time durant and Kyrie were out of the game uh, I know the Warriors weren't, again, caveat, 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 but I, I mean, it's I, there. I, I am speechless because of what we saw. If you actually watch the game and God bless you, if you're listening to this podcast and you didn't get a chance to to watch the game, there was just an insane, devastating force on offense that the Nets have. It was a situation where the way you're describing it, right? Kyrie and Kevin Durant were actually, they weren't doing dueling banjos. It was an orchestra. Mm. People playing in concert with each other. Yeah. Right? Where Kyrie would maybe bring up the ball. He would perform an action on the court in some way and pass it back to Durant, where then Durant was in motion. It wasn't exactly like stagnant offense, sort of what you thought of D'Antoni's Houston Rockets, right? It's more of D'Antoni's Phoenix Suns, which, of course... Makes sense from where Steve Nash is from. But, you know, the, and the, the awkwardness, awkwardness that came in was actually the second unit, which is when Karras was leading the charge. And that's when you had more like standy, standy around guys like Torian Prince and a bunch of other guys. But, you know, if if the starting unit <laughs> standy, standy around guys, that's how I'd be coaching it. You know, <laughs> I don't want you guys to be standy, standy around guys. Okay. <laughs> I want you to be mochi mochi guys. Yeah. Okay. Move around. You've been Get hanging out, there, out, guys. You've been hanging out with babies. That's how you could tell. When you're saying standy standy guys, I can tell you've been seeing babies. Uh, yeah, I draw up plays to my yeah. four four month old <laughs> child, Augie too. Gotta as get him He's early. affectionately owned. Yeah. Known around here. Yeah. Um. I I honestly like I'm looking down. So I'm looking down at the stats. Though this is a podcast, so of course no one can see me looking down. The statistics and the thing that stands out to me, Brian, mm-hmm. I think Kyrie had 24 points in the first half, and that means he only scored two points because he in, in the second half because he yeah. only scored 26 in the game. And, um, it, it is such a luxury to have someone like Kyrie score that many points in the first half, not really scored all in the second, and then the game continued to not be in doubt at all. 
Like it, it was just, you can go down the line and I think we'll like, we're about to take a break here. No. Oh, okay. um, um, but to go down the line and kind of just look at this roster and look to see who's performing well. And I still think there's like eight more levels that this offense could go to. It is uh, intriguing. Mm-hmm. But we will talk about it Great. right after this break. Fun. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So I want to do something a little... We don't normally do this on our pod, but I feel like this is our first impressions. So this segment is called First Impressions. Oh, my God. I want to basically go down each player on the roster and we're just going to do a quick sort of buzz about mm-hmm. what we thought of them in the game tonight. Kevin Durant is the first guy up. Um, we talked a lot about him in the first segment of the show. Um, Kevin Durant, do how great do you feel about Kevin Durant, Brian? I feel good. The first impression so far is <laughs> is quite good. Um, yeah, I mean any of the any of the injury concerns, whatever we talked about, that those are those feel quelled to me. Um, to a large extent, and that's really all I I need to be incredibly excited. So first impression is, um, it's great. There's it's interesting to be rooting for a team with a player of that caliber for like basically the first time in in my life because it's like um, Sean Kilpatrick. Are we are we just forgetting Steven, that was a mistake? And my apologies to Skillpatrick. Um, no, but yeah, it's like it's it is weird to just watching that starting lineup. Um, it is weird where like the ball just spits out and the person who's just happens to pick it up can just like dump the ball in from wherever they are. Like the, the, like <laughs> with the exception of Deandre Jordan, like it's a really, uh, talented starting lineup. Um, Joe. Yeah. I mean, like I, I will be, I mean, we can, we can do this. Sorry. I'm, I'm ruining your first impression. Thing, no, no, no. It's fine. <laughs> as it comes to my mind, the only like question mark in my, in my mind about the, the starting lineup here is the Spencer Dinwiddie. DeAndre Jordan. That was the only part of it that were in the chorus. There may have been an out of tune uh, tuba in the back row here and there, <laughs> um, but but we can get to that. Uh, killer comparisons. What instrument would Spencer do when yeah. play? It would be a clarinet. As I was going to say, it would be a clarinet. Um, DeAndre what, Jordan. Let's get to him. What's well, Joe what Harris we, got? Is he got a nobo? Joe Harris. Look, Joe Harris is the very quiet kid who sits in the back of the band. He's got a flute, doesn't he? Yeah. But just really, but but he's there. He hits the notes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bruce Brown isn't even allowed in the band. Oh, he he can only. I don't know what's uh, the Bruce Brown is just not not allowed to play basketball. I don't know what uh, people made a bit. Anyways, we can get into this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so DeAndre Jordan's next up, and I think if there's any um, weak spot on the starting lineup, it'd be a, it'd be DeAndre Jordan. Though I'll say this about DeAndre, he is probably never going to score 20 points a game this season like like a single game he may never score 20 points the only way that would ever happen is if he gets 10 alley-oops uh not from Spencer Dinwiddie but from other players we saw Kevin Durant DeAndre Jordan alley-oop which was mercifully I mean they had to they had to get one of those things but DeAndre finished with uh four points and 11 rebounds on three shots Mm. and here's my positive about that stat line um he 
you actually don't want a center who wants the ball. You don't want the classic way of like how Dwight Howard, even though he was the greatest pick and roll player in the NBA in terms of a, a center, um, he still wanted post up touches. Mm. DeAndre, for as much as people like to to uh, rag on him for like demanding to start and basically firing Kenny Atkinson, he doesn't demand touches. He actually <laughs> avoids touching the ball. In, in a position where he would have to be forced to score. He doesn't like to score. And can I say something? And this yeah. is with, I mean this with no disrespect, but I could even go with a little bit. I mean bit. this with no disrespect. No disrespect. This is, you know, this is just me talking, just talking. Hear me out. Um, I could do with even less touching. For <laughs> <laughs> less than three <laughs> field goal attempts? No, but I'm not just saying like field Fewer goal than, attempts. Excuse me. I'm not saying specifically field goal attempts. I'm saying the first uh, possession down, like opening – National TV, we've got you don't you know, if you don't mean field goal types, you mean just literally touching the ball. So here's where the position was, and I could tell that this was drawn up, and somebody was responsible for being like, We're getting DeAndre involved in the flow boys in the offense early. Okay. We're making sure that people understand that he is going to whip a backdoor pass on your on your butt if you if you're not paying attention. Sure. And they tried to do that and it failed miserably, and they tried to do it again maybe like three or four plays later. And it was like, you know, what not great. So the idea that we're going to like have DeAndre Jordan just pick up the ball at the top of the three point arc and be like whipping Nikola Jokic passes to backdoor cutters is let's just let's dispel with that myth, Mike, as Ricky, not Ricky Rubio, Marco Rubio might might say. Remember that one? Dispel with <laughs> yeah, the Smith. Yeah, there's a lot of like conservative uh, media yeah. that we got going on right now. That's yeah, true. Um, yeah. So. If if I'm trying to view this positively because the Nets just blew out the Warriors in such an embarrassing fashion, I would say that at least DeAndre doesn't care about having the ball in his hands and is averse to it. I just I just want to say that's not that's not to say that he can't be part of the <laughs> offense in a different like you no, know. You basically said he <laughs> should not be part of it. no. You there is a you, there no, is here's a, who you were. You listen. were the little league coach who told. Uh, fat young Mike Smeltz to go to the right field, <laughs> wow. play right field, wow. Just play right field. The ball won't hit, be at your way. There's no left-handers yeah. in AYRA no, baseball. No, no. Just I, play left. I, By the way, my dad was my coach, so he was my <laughs> there basically is. my father. That's yeah. that's the that's the tortured soul that I know. Um, yeah, thank you. The <laughs> here's what what I'm saying. I'm just saying let's put everyone in the best position to succeed. Not stick them out in the right field. I'm saying that you can run those plays as part of a more comprehensive. And if he's making those passes. You know, he was doing great work with that stuff <laughs> last year from the elbow. That's all I'm saying. I think when we stopped a play and like literally ran a play where he was like quarterbacking it, I just felt like that's asking a bit much. I just got the sense that everyone's like, hey, guys, let's get DeAndre involved. Right. Let's start throwing him a million lobs that he can't catch and have him like do those plays. And I think that we just need to chill out with the focus point on on getting him uh all the oops and quarterback and treat him like Aaron Rodgers out there. So I let's hop to the next center on the roster here, Jared Allen. So Jared Allen got 20 minutes. DeAndre got 17, though. Obviously, I don't Steve Nash didn't do like his full like this is how I would allocate the minutes type deal. The Nets were the first team in NBA history to play 15 players in a single game. Um, Malika Andrews passed it on from Elias Sports. That, happened, that was and, just tonight. And the the reason why is because the the roster is expanded because of COVID, uh, the COVID season that I guess we're still currently in. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jared Allen had eight points, two assists, seven rebounds, 
two also two for three from the field. Um, you know, my hope, and I we've talked about this, is that he plays so damn well, and Kyrie and Kevin Durant are obviously basketball geniuses that their friendship to DeAndre Jordan makes it so like even though they have this friendship that they're even like well Jared Allen's actually the guy we should have in the starting unit with us. Now Jared Allen has a really nice like mix with um Karis LeVert on the bench unit and like that's a big positive that those two guys have a great chemistry and if you have Jared Allen going against bench centers, he should be feasting. Mm-hmm. Um but Jared Allen's a better player than DeAndre Jordan. And so I actually, I really would like to see Jared Allen do better, though, again, eight points and seven rebounds in 20 minutes is like, if you do the per 36, that's like a 14 and 14 and 12. So you're feeling pretty good about him. Well, did you, in that center debate, do you feel like did that Jared Allen did any that much better than DeAndre or was just, it was like basically the same? Uh, Yeah, it was the same. I mean, well, yeah. the same in like, sort of visual output, like you're watching basketball and, you know, he's like, you know, kind of choking on grabbing defensive rebounds, like that, that kind of stuff, like things are spitting out around him. Um, but I will say like, if I go back on any Jared Allen game and actually like start watching what he does defensively, it becomes pretty clear that he's uh, gotten a lot better and just in the place where he's like really good at, getting out and uh, contesting smaller guards and stuff like he's actually started to adapt his game in that way and become like a prominent defender. Uh, so like that's the, when, if we were going to do our superlatives, which we're not going to do, I was going to say that like, that would be one of the sort of like big uh, sort of unseeable stat changes uh, is that like Jared Allen has become like a legitimately intuitive defender that can cover a whole lot of area in a lot of different ways. Uh, so, that's all to say that, like, yes, he, I, I think everyone understands that Jared Allen should probably be getting the minutes over DeAndre Jordan. What's the split? What's the perfect split? You know, what's what makes everyone happy? It's not that. I mean, we're not that uh, far off. DeAndre had 17 minutes. Well, so the thing is, is that, like, it should be 28 minutes for Jared Allen and 20 minutes for DeAndre Jordan. But Steve Nash has, again, openly said that Jeff Green's going to get small ball five. Which, can I say? Can we just skip right to Jeff Green? Yeah, please. Love him. Fucking love the guy. What's, <laughs> what's not to like about Jeff Green? This is this is the role, and he's had it over, like he had it with Houston, and he's had it uh, with Cleveland, I think, when LeBron was there, too. This is Jeff Green's role. It's like he's seven points, he had 17 minutes, no rebounds, and, a, and an assist. But, like, he, this is who he is. This is who he should be in his life, getting eight points a game and getting 17. It's, it's what Wilson minutes. Chandler could only hope to be last year. He really, yeah. it was what he aspired yeah. to be. That that and, that much of a non like you don't think about you only see him when he's doing something good. That's what I think of when I like see Jeff Green at this point because he's like pretty much floating around. Uh, and then it's perfect you know, <laughs> floating around. That is yeah, what he's doing. He's he's floating in around a positive way. Yeah, in a, in a great in the best possible way. I mean, it, this is early. Obviously, that could, this could all go terribly, terribly wrong. Um, but so far, so good for for Jeff Green and me for Hefe Verde. I mean, he's he <laughs> Verde. Uh, he is he is definitely. Like, he was a minimum signing, um, but he's the classic guy who I think every contender in the NBA would love to have Jeff Green at a minimum because he can play a little small ball five and he's a 
totally representative power forward who can shift up to three defensively, not offensively, but defensively. And again, it's like, so the, the bench unit that, that gets rolled out for the Nets, Jeff Green, Torian Prince, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, and Landry Shamit. You know, that's what's going to be, when we go back to the devastating offense, that is going to be the secret sauce all season long and why if you can bet, I don't know if you can still bet like wins over and under for the season, you should bet the over for the Nets because obviously, so if you look at like across every NBA team that have two transcendent stars like the Nets do and Kyrie and Kevin Durant, their on-off stats, like the team usually plummets. Like think about the Atlanta Hawks. The, the Hawks were an amazing team with Trey Young on the floor and plummeted with him off of it. The thing that's going to happen with the Nets is that Kyrie and Kevin Durant may come off the floor, and then it's Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Torian Prince, Jeff Green, and Landry Shamit, uh, not Bruce Brown because he's not allowed to play basketball. No. And and like that 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 team is like better than the Cleveland Cavaliers starting unit. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's better than the, the Knicks. Like if the Knicks had that team right now, we would, they, you know, we would constantly be hearing about how great of a core that is. Mm-hmm. Um, so our Jeff Green conversation is, yeah, he's perfect. Yeah. He doesn't need to do anything more than what he just did. And that that is exactly what we want from Jefe Verde. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyrie Irving, 10, uh, t- 26 points, four assists, four rebounds. I don't know. Did he burn sage? Did we see the sage burning for this game? You know, I was thinking, like, do you need to burn it before every game or just the first time you go to, like, what's the what's the statute of limitations on a on a on the, on the sage burn? It's called a smudge. I would imagine I it's just a one time, one time until the next traumatic thing happens within that building. Or, Got it. Or the, the next time spirits need to be lifted. So um, by that by that metric, I think he's not going to be doing it before every game, right? That's, it can't just be part of the pregame r- ritual. Can I admit something to you, Brian? I would love that. We are a Brooklyn Nets podcast. And if we weren't, let's say we were a Phoenix Suns podcast and we sure. weren't the glue guys. We were another uh, type of adhesive. We were the Sun Boys. This is Sun Boys. <laughs> Jeez. That's- just wearing cut off jean shorts. <laughs> yeah. The Sun Boys. Hanging out, sandals, <laughs> jean shorts. Yeah. Couple of sun boys. That'd be a good life. That's not bad. Sun boy's a good life. It's not there for um, us. I would make fun of Kyrie Irving's sage burning, right? I would make fun of it. Like, I would think it's ridiculous, all that stuff. Now, I listen to Kyrie, and it, it is part of, you know, the native <clears throat> culture that he likes to represent. And I'll say this. Here's, here's the Brooklyn Nets podcast defense. On the last dance, we saw Phil Jackson burn sage in mm. the Bulls locker room, walk around with some sage and waft it around the locker room. And yet, and we love that Phil did that. And people, you know, Phil is the Zen master and he does this and that. So when Kyrie does it in Boston, we everyone makes fun of him and all oh, look how ridiculous he is. Um, Ryan Rosillo called him Kyrie Kanye Irving, which... You know, if I'm Ryan Rosillo, I don't know if I make that because Kanye West has is bipolar, and I don't know if I want to be throwing around that saying well, basically okay. Kyrie Irving's by. I you know I don't know if I want to be walking down that road. That's not how. That's not the roads that I like to walk down. Sure, I walk down the straight and narrow, <laughs> not the wide <laughs> open and loopy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 
Um, I guess that's the the opposite or the yeah, inverse. Yeah, of course. Um, so this is going to be a, a a pro sage podcast. Oh yeah, right. I mean, I'm so pro sage. I as a you know, I was born, I was raised a heathen and a pagan. <laughs> you know, a a uh, um a boy in the woods. And so I don't have any uh, spiritual connectivity. So I, I kind of like am interested in all of it. And I find it interesting that people are, you know, it's, it's the, you, everybody will like pr- literally like thank God after every free throw that they make and do like some elaborate, you know, uh, kissing upwards of, you know, who knows what else. And then as soon as we get to the sage burning, this is, this is a bridge fire. And I get it. It's slightly extra. I mean, there's like, you know, a live fire on set. There's, there's, there's yeah. next, it's next level. Don't get me wrong. It's a but little, I, but I do Joe think Boo that like, from guys, there's a spiritual element in sports, big time and in society, big time. And I think everyone's comfortable with one version of it and not super comfortable with other versions of it. But for me, again, raised by wolves, um, I I see it all sort of the same and the same mishmash of of spirituality, which is all fun. It's all fun in games for for people, right? That's how yeah. people view yeah. spirituality fun in games, right? It it's it, but I I I, th- I do I will say one thing about the sage burning is that I don't know if Kyrie would be uh, acting out spiritually in this way if there were fans in the stands, right? Like would he would he be walking around with sage if there was a bunch of angry drunk Irish ancestors that were living in Boston yelling at Kyrie Irving? Right. For doing that, do you know what I mean? No, he definitely wouldn't, and that's he took the opportunity. Smart, good on him. Yeah, good on good him. On him. Yeah. Um, Pro Sage, this pod, and 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 so you know, Brian and I, we like to reference this a lot, but we were at the opening night last season where Kyrie put on like fifty right against the Timberwolves, and I thought we were heading in that territory, um, and he decided to back off. And obviously, he basically stopped playing he in the game to, because he had to let Reggie Perry get some looks. He had to he had to take a step back. What's your boy, R. Perry? Like Reggie Perry. I'm, I'm, I'm on the Perry train. I'm interested like to hear what that's based on, but I'm excited. I want to know <laughs> no. more. Simply his bone structure. I, I am with that. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I love the bone structure. I don't see. Anyways, we can get to it. Okay. So I, Kyrie Irving is a A plus. Um, not that we're grading anyone. Spencer Dinwiddie. Let's talk about Spencer Dinwiddie mm. for a second here. So yes. Spencer is 20 minutes. He started the game instead of Levert. Nine points, four assists, five rebounds. So he's continuing to do the stat stuffing. Two from six from the field. That, was that sardonic stat stuffing? Is that what you're? No, 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 no. That was that was sincere stat stuffing. He stuffs stats. Nine points, four assists, five rebounds. That's you're, we're going stuffing on that. All right. <laughs> okay. It's, we got different it's, definitions of stuffing. But, yeah. Stat yams. It's it's. <laughs> it's that is could it, be just a stat casserole right there. <laughs> stat <know>. casserole. <laughs> um, okay, well, tell me your how you feel about Spencer Dinwiddie. Right I now. was a little concerned for Spencer. I got to be totally <laughs> honest. Uh, I of the of the guys who have come out even in preseason, I find that he is still uh, trying to find um, his spots where to where to influence the game in a in a more macro broader sense. Um, you know, in moments he looks great and just himself, and when he's you know sort of back in, in normal Spencer Dinwiddie land and just like taking his guy off the dribble. Great. It works. But as far as the orchestra, they were talking about if there was the two parts of it that seemed just slight. And, and I would say Deandre is not, they're not like out of tune, right? It's not, they're not like, it's not messing up. We're still going to throw our roses at the end. 
That's what you do at an opera, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, throw, you throw flowers at them. Because yeah. it's great and it's working. But I would say if we're, you know, we're just making incremental improvements to the brass section where needed. Um, and I would say that Spencer falls into that category of uh, we're not getting the best out of him. And if, you know, the numbers are any indication, which I, I think like, you know, the assistant rebound is whatever. I think that if we continue to see him like hover around 10 points a game and his like season average starts to look like 11 or 12, um, we might have uh, an issue on our hands of a guy who we are devaluing. Uh, and that might be stressful for a lot of different people involved. Yeah, if I'm Spencer Dinwiddie and I care about statistics, I almost asked Steve Nash, hey, put make me the bench guy and put Karras in the starting lineup. Because and I I think that'll eventually happen anyways. Because the thing about Dinwiddie, so we're what we're not talking about is defense. And I can't honestly tell you how good his defense was. I just like I wasn't like thinking about it. You I was plugged about, in. That's for tomorrow when you get your <laughs> the dry erase <laughs> board out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean it, I, I to be honest, I was watching Kevin Durant play basketball, and yeah. I was enjoying that. I, I wasn't with, with your pants off. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was on my Peloton, Brian. You know right. that. Uh, so your pants were off. I get it. Yeah, my pants were. <laughs> oh God, uh, yeah. what a run! Um, so, but it's a really tough spot for Dinwiddie because he's never been he's never been a spot up shooter. He's only been a guy who does have the ball in his hands. Even the earliest version of Dinwiddie that we got was like the assist to turnover god, the four to one assist to turnover god who had the ball in his hands. And, you know, that's who he is. And it's a tough place to be in between Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Now, the thing that Dinwiddie has going for him is that he has himself has said he wants to be the Draymond Green of this team. And, you know, I, I think if he really truly believes the own words that are coming out of his mouth, then he's going to have to live with getting only 10 points a night because you're like just the way he's going to operate in the offense. He's not like Joe Harris. Like Joe's going to have games where he hits like he's going to get 30 points because Joe is going to just have wide open looks. And, I, and I'll say that when we get to the Joe part, but not a concern, not a worry. I think you're right, though. I think if this continues and let's say didn't when he only gets like 10 points, 11 points, nine points, a game, whatever. Um, if I'm him, I'd be like, I'm trying to make money and you guys don't really need me. And could you please trade me for a Robert Covington type? Mm -hmm. Not a Robert Covington because he won't be gone, but something like it. So didn't we, I mean, it's not not a sore spot, but it's just like, how comfortable will he be not scoring? We've got our, we've got our eye on the situation. That's all we're saying. Just get our eye on it. Joe Harris, uh, Joe Harris, 10 points, seven rebounds, four from eight from the field, tw- uh, 10 points in only 21 minutes. Um, I got to say, I love I, – Joe wasn't, like, amazing. I mean, he was two for five from three, which is 40%, which is obviously very good, but, like, not, like, lights out. Um, amazing, amazing. But I loved what I saw because his, his open looks were as wide open as it's ever mm. been in his career, I feel yes. like. Like – that is the thing that, like, Dinwiddie got open looks and Joe Harris got insanely wide open looks. And if Joe Harris gets comfortable being that wide open, because his career, he's always been a guy who's had, like, dudes right on his hip, basically, as he's going around screens. If he just gets comfortable being, like, completely wide open, um, he's going to probably lead the NBA or be top three in the NBA in three-point percentage because he just, it's like, he's the perfect player to play with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. 
Yeah. And this goes also into like other conversations that I've been hearing in the NBA sphere while they're talking about this, this team, like <clears throat> they point to the problem of the nets is like a defensive problem. They're like, who's going to play defense on this team? This is a big calamity waiting to happen defensively. And they always pull up Joe Harris's name first, which I always thought was terrible, a terrible rotten, no good little thing to racist. do. Little racist. I'll you go said there. It. Hey, you said it. Uh, but it is, it is like the white just, man <laughs> pushed down for far too long. It is like a, a fundamental misunderstanding of, of like Joe Harris as, uh, like a pretty deft athlete, like uh, not just in, in defensively also like uh, people are continued to be surprised about the fact that he can drive and things like that. Um, it like <laughs> yeah. still is a, like, you know, Marv Albert thing to say, or, um, you know, whatever, but. By the way, Marv Albert, Chris uh, Webber's chemistry is horrible. Boy, boy. Chris Webber is pulling out like two chains references, and Marv Albert's like, I'm in my basement. Dude, Web- broadcasting a game. Webber, like, there's oh, the, the, be- the only way to get him to speak for any long period of time is to ask him a question about himself. <laughs> yeah, roasted, burned, coming at me, C Web. Um, <laughs> so, but, anyways, <laughs> it is like. That was too harsh, Yeah, Brian. sorry, sorry. Too harsh. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, I think that the whole conversation about the Nets being bad at defense is dumb. I think that that's a dumb conversation to be having because I think that, uh, there are a lot of like, uh, like for, for all of this stuff, there's like a lot of plug and plug and play guys, um, all over the place. The, the, the bench goes deep, uh, and some of our best role players are like legitimately good defensive players. Um, I mean, like we've already talked about Jared Allen covering a whole lot of space, but like Joe Harris is legitimately a good defender. Uh, Kyrie Irving seems massively incentivized to be playing at least the kind of defense where he closes out incredibly hard on people, which I don't know that people think of Kyrie Irving as that kind of guy, but he is like, even tonight, chasing down, uh, going for blocks, you know, against, against other guards at the rim, things like that. Uh, he's not, he's not, uh, he's not backing down. And Kevin Durant is like legitimately a tr- tremendous defender as far as I can tell. So anyways, I, I don't know where this whole meme of them being like a garbage defensive team is coming from. Um, like, I, I don't doubt that they'll be like average or maybe slightly above or slightly below average, yeah. but it's not going to be a, a like massive meme that this is like a team you can walk all over. I don't see that. Yeah. And I, I've been, I have been impressed ish. I don't want to be like, I'm impressed. I'm not like thinking about it every night, but of Kyrie Irving he mm-hmm. has and and like you know ultimately in crunch time against a really good guard I don't want him guarding that other guard but it's also not like Trey Young like Trey Young is just he was horrific and he's terrible at it where Kyrie is just like a guy who is not average but like he's representable yeah as a defender and then you bring down the list it's like Joe Harris is better than people think um DeAndre Jordan is actually still a fine defender Kevin Durant when he is completely healthy was like an all-world defender and Dinwiddie has such versatility because he can guard ones twos and threes and nary maybe fours Mm -hmm. um yeah so I'm I think what's going to be incredible is Joe Harris once he gets comfortable shooting from three uh we did Jeff Green Torian Prince (laughs) shot the ball once in 16 minutes of play, I will give that an A-plus effort because that <laughs> means that Torian Prince wasn't jacking up seven shots in 16 minutes. Come and yeah. uh, good for him. One point, one rebound, perfect game. Picking his spots. Picking his spots. Uh, do you have anything to think about Reggie Perry and Rodion's Karutz? Well, I mean, I guess 
Do we want to spend any more time with Torian? Do we think that Torian is going to be long term part of this rotation? I didn't. Yes. I didn't want to like yeah, stop yeah. us. No, I think he will be. Yeah, B- because I think if I'm Steve Nash and I'm sitting back, I'm eating my like uh, uh, like a just a nice crisp kale salad with like just some cut up grape tomatoes, nothing else, no 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 dressing, no Jesus. I, I'm just kind of using <laughs> the grape, the juice from the grape tomatoes as a dressing. I'm th- imagining that being a vinaigrette, but I wouldn't uh-huh. dare even put like a like a balsamic. He, he strikes you as one of those types, huh? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I look at the 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 sweatsuit that he was wearing, and I just think of my man boobs popping and, out of that, and, and he's he's looking great, right? Now he's a world world class athlete, and I'm a subpar podcaster. There's a there's a gap. Subpar is I, I'm not going to stand for that. If you're so. if you're if you're looking for a compliment, I'm going to give you one. Okay, I swear to I swear Aww. to gosh, I will. Thank you, Brian. Um, above average podcaster, Mike. But if but if I'm Torian Prince or if I'm Steve Nash, excuse me, I am looking at Torian Prince as a, a reclamation project. It doesn't need to be reclaimed, but it's not reclaimed wood that uh, would be on HGTV. Hmm. But he he is uh, Joanna and uh, who's who's her husband? Like Joanna and Chip. Yeah, yeah. Chip. <laughs> Sparky. <laughs> that is got some name. dog name. It's basically sp- <laughs> Sparky. Um, I would look at Torian Prince and be like. That's a guy, if I can like get him in the right mindset, get him in the right role, that's who maybe could be on my crunch time five. Because he's big enough, wow. he's a good enough shooter. Wow. And he's just the floaty wing that you could have out there. Crunch um, time five. Yeah. So, but I, I think there's like a 7% chance that that's a possibility. But he has that talent and the shooting ability and the size that it's like, if he. If I'm Steve Nash, I can mold Torian Prince into that. And obviously, they're paying him money, like a lot of money, so you can't just like discard him. Um, that's who I'm like motivated to, like be my like my reclamation project. So, but do you not do you not have the faith in Torian Prince like I do? Um, do I have the faith? Uh, gosh, gotta I'm, have I'm, faith. I'm looking at Shamit's. Uh, like his Sham, Shamwow. Shamwow has positioned himself uh to to usurp Torian Prince if Torian's not very careful. Uh I don't know that I hundred percent think that's I mean I think it's there's a there's a battle. There's a tug of war there for the future of that of those eighth man I don't minutes. Put them, I don't put them on the same plane. But I know what you mean. I know they're like they're they're wing shooters, but Shamit Different sh- players, love- don't get me wrong. I'm just saying like I, I think that if if we're going with a nine man rotation, and I'm not, I don't know that that's where we're at, but I just assume somewhere, somewhere down the line, we get to that nine man rotation, and you know, if Jeff Green is part of it, and Jared Allen's part of it, and Karis Levert's part of it, and then we're, all, we're already at eight there after our starting lineup. So does that does that include Shamit and Oratorian Prince? I don't know. Yeah, I I think it's a ten man. Ro- I think it really is a ten man rotation. I think they should probably and those are the two guys, and and yeah, I th- and I think Jeff Green's the guy who you throttle down in certain games, and they're gonna like if I'm smart, if you're smart and you're Steve Nash, you sit Durant some games, you sit Kyrie some games, you juice up those guys' minutes in those games, obviously. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Direct TV satellite free. You see this? 
this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's go to Shamit. So what were your... I mean, Shamit was only one for four from the field. They were all three-point shots. No assists, one rebound, and six points. But what was your Shamit impressions? Um, my first impression was... Uh, so I've, I've I've gone back and forth with Shamit. I I think I the jury is... is not out is out is out. Jury's out. Not deliberating. They're still they're still in that little room. Okay, and they're talking about Shamit. That's what I'm trying to say. They're ordering uh, lunch <laughs> because um, I think that Shamit might have a case of um, I don't know if any of you out there has ever like changed high schools or something like that, where you maybe like decide to yourself like I'm going to be a radically different person when I get to my new school and nobody is going to know who I was and so I can just be whoever I want and so. Tonight, I saw a little of the Shamit uh, who wants to be like a bit more of a dynamic ball handler than is maybe ready for, you know, like he he said that to himself and then he was like, I'm going to be the class clown, super popular kid, said that first class clown, popular kid joke in class, maybe hit a little flat note, maybe didn't, maybe didn't go over the same way he thought. He's like, "Uh oh, am I the same guy? I might be, I might be that same guy. And so that's not to say that, I, you know, because earlier in the preseason, I was like, oh, Landry Shamit, he's got like more ball handling skills than I thought, more as a uh, north to south kind of ball handler. I saw him trying to do some east to west stuff, and I'm not sure that that's what I see for Landry Shamit as a like overall playmaker, ball handler, blah, blah, blah. What, what I loved most about Landry Shamit's game, even though he only had one field goal that he made, was that he moved without the ball more than anyone yes. except for maybe Joe Harris, True. right? Good point. And I think on a team, like, so if he's on these bench units, particularly with, with Levert, as much as I love Levert, obviously, like, the way he <laughs> proceeds to get to the basket takes takes about eight seconds, and it's a lot of hezzies, and eventually he gets there and usually scores. Dude, Sorry, can I just talk about how, like, it's so funny to watch yeah. Karis LeVert as, like, the bench microwave guy and how easy offense comes from Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and then, like, just how much time we've spent watching <laughs> that brand of offense and just been like, Whoa, wow, that is stressful. It's a lot of work. Anyways, sorry, continue. Well, I mean, if you look at – we'll get to Karis LeVert in a second, so I'll save this part. Yeah. But Shamit, I that's what I appreciate the most. I didn't almost care that he only had six points and only made one field goal. The fact that he'd moved – as much as he did, I loved. And be, because of his movement, like that's going to really help when he does play with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in like various lineups because it's just going to happen. You know, like he's he's probably going to be in the Joe Harris. Well, they'll probably start Karis LeVert if Joe Harris is out, but Landry is going to get a lot of minutes with those guys. No, he's but the, that's exactly the, right, though. He should like be watching Joe Harris film. Like he should not be. He should just be like the triple threat guy. Like I don't I don't need him to no, break I, down a defender. No, I don't think he needs to break. I think you're right, but I th- I think he needs a little. I like his ball handling. Like I do, because with Levert, Levert really as as good of a ball handler as he is at his size. He's not like a traditional point guard. Not that Shamit is not your point guard. He shouldn't be controlling the ball all that much. But you do need a little juice, a little juice. And um, but if if, if Shamit could truly handle the ball, 
he would have gotten a lot more minutes on that Clippers team because that Clippers team last year desperately needed a point guard, and they tried to have him be that at times, and he couldn't do it. He doesn't need to be that here. So he's. I liked what I saw out of him, and if he's your bench shooter, I I love that because typically bench shooters are stand stand still guys, and he's a movement guy, mm. and I I like movement people. I like mm. you know basketball is a game of movement. Karis um, like Levert climbers, social climbers. Sorry, guys. Social climbers. Karis yeah. um, Levert, twenty five minutes. He actually took the most shots in the game for the Nets, seventeen shots. Six field goals tw- uh, made, sorry, uh, 20 points, five assists, and nine rebounds. He played a little bit with, like, Kevin Durant, a little bit, I think, with Kyrie, but he mostly was bench microwave guy. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? How do you feel about him in that role? How do you feel about him the way he played tonight? You know what it is? I feel like it's a good fit, even though I still struggle with the efficiency of, of his brand of basketball. Like, it is um, – it is a lot to watch. It looks exhausting. I worry for him. Um, I still think that his, although he had five assists, and you know, generally I, I don't have a problem like with with much of that. Like a lot of his passes are late dump offs, deep in an offensive set. Um, so it's a lot of like people kind of ball watching him. That said, I kind of like the ball watching offense with the second unit. I feel like the, like <laughs> yeah. if you, if you even have something worth watching is a, that's a great place to be on a second <laughs> union. <laughs> so, so like that checks out to me on a, on a level. And I also think it's like a nice tip of the cat, <laughs> tip of the cap to where he wants to be as a player. It doesn't like impede, you know, his, his overall growth and trajectory. It gives him still like the blank canvas to, to paint his, uh, muddy, you know, sweaty picture, this painting of just, you know, pure, it's like a, I don't know, who's a painter? I don't think of a painter. He's got a Yeah, I'm trying to think of like, a, I yeah. can I can imagine what I'm seeing, which it's, is a lot of dark colors, a lot of it's earth the painting, colors. It's the painting that Robin Williams paints in Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. It's the Rocky Waves. Is that paint by, paint by numbers? Yeah. No, he jokes about it being paint by numbers. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a joke, Mike. You didn't know that was a joke? Oh, I don't understand jokes. <laughs> anyways, uh, it's that kind of it's that kind of painting. Um, and anyways, like I'm saying, I think that that's okay on a second unit and gives him the <laughs> space to do that um, and and uh, and be that way. So overall, I'm not too worried about Karis Levert so long as uh, he doesn't think that you know getting his this is a fine stat line. It's not an efficient one. It's a fine one. Uh, his 20 points on 17 shots. Uh, at six for 17, which is not a super great percentage. Although he did hit three of five for, for yeah. three. So he's, he's hitting those and that's, that's good to see. Um, and otherwise, you know, like nine rebounds, five assists. Good. It's, it's a freaking good line, Mike. But if you were to freaking look, good. if you were to look back on that game and be like, uh, did that come easily to Kyrus Levert or not? Despite this being like cool. an, an insane blowout win. I don't know. It's never, it's just, I know. It's never, <laughs> it's just the time he plays basketball. I know. He he plays it as if he's playing NBA 2K on a on a PC and not Xbox yes. or PS. He's yes. just like it's just like he's trying to press the A and the K letters. It, it's and, not even like the, it's somebody like like hacked the game so that you actually have to like <laughs> type in the yeah <laughs> move right yeah move left yeah um, but it's effective. Um, the I'll give you a positive and I'll give you a negative. Here's a positive. I think when he, there was a time when he was on the floor with Kevin Durant. 
when I saw Karis in the corner and he seemed content being in that role player mode and not wanting to be the main ball handler guy. And obviously it's a, just a small moment in one game that of 72 this season that, you know, he may not always feel that way, but it was not, it, it, I could actually, he was on the floor with Durant being a role player. And I saw that was a nice thing. My one worry with Ke- with Karis LeVert is that you talk about sort of like how a stand and watch offense, like with the second unit, it's like, it's nice to watch, like be, have something to watch. Mm-hmm. I do worry about like, it's got to be a little more flowy, right? And it's game one. And like, I do think people, we need to remember that if you watch, I remember watching games last season, early in the season where like everyone looked clunky and just because it's new team, a lot of guys adjust to the roster every, across the league. And this training camp was shorter than it's ever been. They only had two preseason games. They're inserting Kevin Durant and really inserting Kyrie Irving, plus like some new role players on the team like Shamit and Jeff Green. So I'm, I shouldn't be that worried with clunkiness. I just I want a little more flow. And as much as I love that Torian Prince really only took one shot, I mean, like, he probably should take three shots if he's playing 17 minutes, and they all should be threes. In, uh, in the grand scheme of clunkiness, though, like, our starting unit is so unclunky from at, at starting yeah. from so early on in things. Like, they basically were not clunky from the second they stepped on the court in preseason. I didn't talk about I, f- I forgot to say this in the Joe Harris thing. Did Joe Harris and Kyrie have a connection, like – I think like a personal connection in a good mm. way. Like there, there was a lot of dabbing between Kyrie and Joe Harris on the floor when, you know, Joe Harris made a play or Kyrie made a play, which is important, right? Because I think Kevin Durant's going to support Kyrie because they're best friends. Um, DeAndre Jordan's going <laughs> to support Kyrie. Who knows what Dinwiddie's going to feel? You were worried about the orphan Joe Harris. You were worried but Joe, but, yeah. but Joe deciding. I mean, you know, it's, I'm not sure he's not he like planning in his room like ooh I'm going to I'm going to give Kyrie a high five so he thinks I like him but like <laughs> Joe's personality has, seems to fit in with Kyrie's and it you know that's important I want I want happiness on my team I want everyone to like each other I'm with it and they seem to like what each other think, What do you think of Joe's new tattoos you like those Yeah I mean you know doesn't, <laughs> oh, doesn't really fit. Oh you put the dog the dude's What no the dude's I think, I think there's like a personal ink? reason I think there's like a personal reason for the tattoos, right? Like a It's his mom's face. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's personal for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't wanna uh, let's not go down that road. Yeah. Um anyways, so um no, I love the tattoos. So yeah. the 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 only people that we is there any more Karis Levert thoughts, by the way, before we say goodbye to Karis? No, let's say goodbye. Oh oh, one thing. Sorry, I do have one thing. Um do you think he should be playing more minutes over the season with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant? Because ultimately, he is your third best player. And if you want to have your best end of game lineup, they should get more minutes together. Or do you think no matter what, Karis really isn't going to get that many minutes with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? It'll just because be, he doesn't really fit. It'll be interesting. I, I'm i of the mind where he either needs to, like, you know radically change that part of him that wants to play that very specific way when whenever he's on the court with those guys and to this point i haven't seen like that 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 image of him standing in the corner that resonated so well with you um <laughs> i missed that so i didn't have that it was it was literally th- two seconds maybe. <laughs> i didn't have that epiphany 
um, the way that you did. So I'm open to the idea that that's possible. From as of today, having watched Kurosawa for however four years now or whatever it is, uh, I feel like he's a pretty known quantity, and that quantity. I hate to say it, despite him being, you know, on paper, a bit of a playmaker, doesn't sort of always mesh and play super nice with everybody. Just saying. I know. I know everyone like yeah. everyone loves stands for Karis. I stand for Karis. I love him. And I like and I and I like watching him work. It just I now I'm I'm completely uh, jaded or not jaded, spoiled by what we have in our starting lineup. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And and I, I trust in Steve Nash that there's a reason why he's on the bench, Karis LeVert, and why Spencer Dinwiddie is starting. I do think that I want to see more Kyrie, Kevin Durant, Karis LeVert minutes. Like I want to see I want there to be a stretch in every game where those guys are on the floor for four minutes together. You know? And the reason why I want to see that is because Karis has gotten kind of thick. Mm. In a good he's, way? He's getting big in the shoulders, yeah. Two C's, not not a C and a K. Yeah, yeah. He's getting two C's thick. And um, I think he's, you know, he has always had defensive versatility. It's just it's like he's always been hurt or, you know, like, or he's been just like the pro offense guy and they haven't really asked him to do that much on defense. But like at the end of games, if he's out there two, particularly if, Kevin Durant's at the five, and then if you do Kyrie, Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, Kevin Durant, and Karis LeVert, I mean, LeVert can is got the size where he can guard a lot of the fours in the NBA at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to see a little – I mean, it's one game. It's one game. It's one game, Mike. But I want to see a little bit. Um, last thing before we go. Yeah. So Reggie Perry, Ronan Scaroos, Tyler Johnson, uh, Bruce Brown, is there any thoughts about any of those players before we say goodbye? Oh gosh! Um, only they did nothing. Only so. that I wonder <laughs> where the Reggie Perry and Bruce Brown hype train came from. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it's more. It's not about them specifically. It's just more about um, the puppet masters who control the media. That's more what I'm interested in. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean Bruce Brown is an interesting case because he got. I mean he started about half the season with the Pistons, and he may be a pure bench player. Like meaning, like he may not play. Uh, oh, I didn't even add Timothy Luwalukabaro. Yeah, I know. Um, it's so funny to think like we. You, this was our playoff team last. <laughs> like the guys that were yeah, just like yeah. breezing past, played like huge minutes in a playoff. In yeah, Cabarro got <laughs> yeah. had put up six shots in seven minutes. He was yeah. like furious. Yeah. Came in just firing shots. Um, and I, I think I said in our pod last time that I could see him in a closing lineup, which probably stupid because he's not going to play that much for this team. Um, that just shows you how much depth they have. And I almost feel like they could just trade all those players for one pretty good player and like really improve the team. Mm. But um, I, the Nets are at such an advantage. Their offense is going to be the best in the NBA, the best. Um, They have the deepest team in the NBA, the deepest, and they have the fittest coach Mm. in the NBA in Steve Nash. Um, Final thoughts. My final thoughts, Brian, are that the Nets are going to win the NBA championship for the next five years in a row. This is the best team I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And um, it was just great, like, podcasting with you because, like, I almost, like, we don't have to do this anymore because this team is flawless. That's it. This is the last episode of The Sun Boys. I hope you all enjoyed (laughs) this show. Uh, Hey, we're The Sun Boys. (laughs) 
let's go down to the Piggly Wiggly and I don't know, really so Piggly they, Wiggly they got those in, in Arizona. Yeah, in Scottsdale, Arizona, could be. Um, um, yeah. So thank you all for listening. We'll be back in your ears as soon as possible. I don't think we're gonna pod on yeah, Christmas. We're gonna, day after that, we'll get a pod in. Yeah, we'll, we'll slide a pod in. Um, and thank you all. Oh, Tyler Johnson. We didn't talk anything about him, but um, I don't want to. Uh, Brian, Michael. What a night. What a night. You earned it, buddy. Oh, what a night. All right. Thank you, man. Bye. Bye.